Welcome in. It's another edition of the Doyle and Derek podcast here with the Indie Star special Skype edition, social distancing edition, lockdown edition, whatever you want to call it. I'm Derek Schultz. The star of the show, as always, is Greg Doyle. And uh, you have a, a lot more of an interesting background than I do. Is that a Milan State Champs ball I see in the background? Oh, is it obvious? Yeah, I see. Right. I, you know, well, I just see the 54 in LAN. So I'm assuming that's what that is. Yeah, you know, um, <clears throat> nowadays with watching ESPN, watching Sports Center, you see, um, you see all these people at home, and so you can see kind of their their. I don't know if you call it a vanity wall, but you know, you see. I got no problem with it, but Wojnowski, you see the books he's written, and Jeff Passan, sure. the books he's written. Um, I've got my <clears throat> my son's artwork, and I've got my Milan basketball, and and not to be a jerk, <laughs> but there's a couple trophies up there, but. I'm using them to to put my hats on. So, um, and anyway, that's this is not my. So band. you have trophies under those hats there, like that Cubs hat and the what is that Oklahoma State hat? Uh, yeah. And by the way, there's a story about both. Hold on. <laughs> this you see this right? Yeah. Okay. Do you see this? Oh, look at that personalized. Yeah, so wow. it, uh, you know, my Cubs hat on the front says World Series champion, so whatever that year was. That's how big a Colts fan, a Cubs fan I am, whatever the year that was. Um, on the back it says Doyle Indy Star in gold lettering. And whoever makes those hats, champion, I think, they're based in Indy or Zionsville, as I recall. Hold on. Oh, okay. If I'm going to shout them out, I should at least get this right. It's uh, 3930 uh, – uh, new era? Heck, I don't know who does it. All right. Anyway, they just made that for me, um, and I think they made it wow. for a few people, and and I love it. But it's a great hat. But I can't walk around with my name on my hat. I hear you. Yeah, I was never a big, even before I became like a media person or whatever you want to call it. I was never a big personalized jersey guy. You know how fans will get like their last name on their jersey and. I even saw a dude that personalized the Colts Pro Bowl jersey, and I thought, really? Uh, no. I was never that kind of person, so I'm with you. I, I think that's a cool keepsake. I don't think that I would ever walk around with a Cubs hat that had Schultz on the back of it, though. But I had no idea you were a Cubs guy. That, that's never come up before. First of all, I'm not a Cubs guy. Second of all, do I sound better or worse with the headset on? No, you're good. And it, What's it look, better? It looks better because we're going we're gonna to post the video for this. So this actually looks a little more professional, certainly, than I look with a pair of AirPods in and a, and a Hoosier gym hoodie on. But do I sound better? Because I need help. Your voice doesn't need help. I need help. Is this better with the No, with the it headset? sounds good. Yeah, it's, it sounds good. Yeah. Everybody listening. It does everybody sound listening. a little bit better. Okay, I'm about to say, everybody listening to the podcast, do you realize I, I've asked him now three times, does it sound better? And three times he says, it sounds good. I didn't ask good. I asked better. You finally just it said better. It sounds better. Yes. It sounds I am, better. I was not. I, I did not want to be insulting to your voice, Greg, because I think your voice is just fine. Uh, okay, I, I am very That's precise all. when it comes to, and it drives me <laughs> nuts. Whether it's no offense, co- co- bosses, but every now and then it happens with them. Happens with my kids all the time. I'll text somebody or email somebody a very specific question, meaning I want mm-hmm. this exact question, and I'll even give you the word: Is it this? Is it that? And I'll get an answer back that's kind of generic, and I'm sure they think, and usually it's my kids. They think they're answering my question, but they're not. They're answering their question. My question was, is it better? So anyway, I'm very precise. When it this comes is to these. great. Wow. This is press conference Doyle right here. I mean, this, is, this is the genuine article right here. 
Words matter. And uh, <laughs> I, I see that you've not done what Kevin Pritchard did. Kevin Pritchard, and I feel bad about this. I actually need to ask him if he's okay with this. But you know, he had a Zoom uh, video conference call. I with, saw. Uh, and and I, I, my entire story I led with, and I used the fact that he's got a butterfly on his wall as kind of my lead and kind of I use it as a, I don't know, device to get around. You know, he's got a bug up his rear, whatever. Um, and I'm just thinking, shoot, I, I didn't mean to make fun of his his wall or his wife put the bug there or whatever. And anyway, I feel, I don't know if, I don't know if I went too far with that. I have no idea, but uh, anyway, you didn't, you've got nothing on your walls. So we're good. I've interacted with Kevin a little bit on a, a personal kind of off the record basis. And he doesn't, I'm not going to pretend like we're best friends or anything, but he doesn't strike me as a dude that takes things real seriously when it comes to stuff like that. So I, I doubt that he read into it that much. Oh, no, no, I don't think he would, but you don't know his wife. Um, sure. I, I, I mean, I don't know her either. I didn't even know he's married. I, I, I think he said it was his wife. I hope he did because that's what I wrote. But anyway, you just never – you know how it is. We can handle anything we can handle, but it's when our wives or our kids or somebody else gets been out of shape, that's when it sure. hurts. So I don't know. I just hope I didn't go too far with any of that stuff. But no, I, I know Kevin sounds like a little bit better than you. Not great, but um, – and this is where I venture into Homer territory, I guess. Although, and nothing against Ryan Grigson. I, I'm not I'm not bashing Ryan, but I never felt this way about Ryan and would never have said this about Ryan. So it's not like if you are a GM in my city, I'm going to love you. No, no. If you're a very likable person in my city, I'm going to love you. And Chris Ballard and, and Kevin Pritchard are just so damn likable. And I'm just not going to hide the fact that I like him a whole lot, both of them. So there you go. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's a business and they're paid to do a job and they have to do that job well or else they'll feel your wrath and, and they'll get criticized. They will. But those are two guys as people that are easy to root for. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you there. Um, before we get into sports, just kind of to catch up. Um, and we had talked about this on the previous episode, the furlough and just how in general are you holding up there? Um, I, I, I would say that I, first of all, First of all, I, I want to do what what ESPN folks do, and I'm I'm sure everywhere else, but I I watch ESPN and UFC. That's all I kind of watch, but and Netflix. But um, I love how ESPN starts every show with "Thank you to the frontline people." You know, I, I love the nurses and doctors, and not just them. I mean, that, that's what we say. But I mean, if you're working in a hospital, if you're an orderly, if you're a receptionist, if you're in the cafeteria, if they're even open in hospitals, wherever you are in a hospital, if you're going into that war zone. Every day, thank you, thank you. And so I, I wanted to say that just to say that I realize what's happening around here is what I'm about to say is not a big deal uh, compared to what's happening. But you know, you're asking me about me, and um, I bottomed out three, four days ago. I, I don't know what it was. It was, I mean, the the stress of this. My son, my younger son, has been staying with me for a month. I have a small apartment. I love him. Love having him here. But it's different, and it's just different. And sure. Um, so I about I bought him down a couple of days ago, but I'm my son's with his mom now, and uh, and I was actually on furlough last week, and that's unpaid and doesn't feel good. And it's not so much I'm miserable because I'm not getting paid this week, although that does that's not fun. But I was more upset, like what does this mean for the future? You know, I, I never look at yeah. I, I rarely look at things as I launch my soliloquy here, I rarely look at things in the moment. What does this moment mean? I try to look at what does this moment mean going forward and being on furlough scares me. So anyway, bottomed out, but I'm bouncing back right now and I'm happy to see your little uh, hipster face. Yeah. 
I, and I'm, I'm doing okay too. Uh, a little bit different for me because I was laid off two months before all this started. So this is like three months of basically a shutdown for me, but, um, I have a three-year-old and he's keeping me busy, both good and bad. Um, but my wife is, uh, and I think I've mentioned this before is an ICU nurse at, at Methodist and she's been dealing with COVID patients. So it's actually worked out pretty well to just be, you know, house dad and, and take care of everything. Cause she's got enough stress and anxiety going on right now that, um, I, I just want to try to alleviate as much as that as possible. Hey, what is that um, like? Of- Hold on. What is that like for you having a, I mean, having you home, but having a kid at home and she comes home, um, you know, being, being around sick people all day and what, what, what precautions, what do y'all, if anything, what do y'all do to just safeguard as much as you can that you got that if she's carrying something, you don't get it. Well, weirdly, um, we, when we bought this house, we're over near Butler. It's an old house. The person that the previous owner had made the mud room, which was right outside of the kitchen into a full bath. So I think it's, it's rather strange to have a full bathroom with a shower right outside your kitchen, but we have that. So when she gets home, that's the quarantine bathroom. So she just goes, she, she works overnight. So she gets home at seven thirty eight in the morning, goes right in there, puts all her scrubs into a, a bin. We have a laundry chute and then showers and all of that. And then we try to, you know, sanitize that room right afterwards. Um, but yeah, there's really not much when you're living with somebody who's exposed to it. There's really not much that you can do to safeguard yourself. And luckily I'm a 37 year old, no underlying conditions sort of person. So the chances of anything really, really horrible happening to me are very, very small. Um, but you know, you just try to do the best you can with it. What, what we've really done as a precaution is to not go out much in public outside of essentials, groceries once every 10 days or something like that. And we've kept my son away from my, my parents who are nearing 70 um, for six weeks, which has been really the hardest thing of all because they're used to seeing him. But, you know, yeah. you, you just kind of just like everybody else, Greg, I, we all have our own situations. But you said it's, it's just different. I mean, everybody's just adjusting. I think that's really what it is. It doesn't matter. You know, um, you have a job, you don't have a job. Uh, you're a frontline worker. You're not a frontline. I mean, everybody th- this is impacting everyone. Um and so we're, we're thinking about all those people that are the frontline workers and people that are putting it on the line every day for sure. Hey, what's um, your wife's, what's your wife's first name? Ashley. All right, Ashley, if you're listening or whatever, Derek, you just tell her, I said, her, I said, thank you. Just tell her, I said, thank you. I'll let her know. Yeah. Thank yeah. you, man. Um, there was a lot of sports stuff to discuss this past week, actually. Um, I wanted to start from a, a cult standpoint and really not even from a necessarily from a cult standpoint, but just kind of from a fall football standpoint, because I think as we're moving along with this whole thing, Greg, we're starting to learn, okay, what's feasible and what isn't feasible. And I'm not saying that we have an exact handle on all of it, but I think we're at the point now where we can start kind of making predictions on, on what is going to happen and what isn't going to happen. I think at this point, you're bagging the NBA season. I can't imagine a scenario where they get going in time. Um, I think baseball is going to be a real struggle unless they find somehow to have games without fans. But what really worries me specifically about college football is that um, the university president's meeting with with Vice President Pence and uh, in the college football playoff committee, I guess I should say, to specify uh, meeting with Vice President Pence saying that they don't want to resume football until the students are on campus. And it's becoming increasingly 
probable that we're not at least initially going to see students on campus. So I, I guess my question is, are we going to see a college football season? You know, I, I don't see them. It's hard. I, I wonder, would they, if students aren't on campus in August, and that is the way it's looking, you know, we don't know, but it's looking like they probably won't be on, on campus in August. If they're not on campus when the semester begins, do the presidents of the school say, you know, at some point in, in October, okay, kids, we want you on campus now. I assume the semester will be consistent. If you start e-learning, you'll just do e-learning the whole semester. I just, that just makes the most sense to me. It's probably not, it's not what anybody wants to hear, but that just makes sense to me. So given that, that means if the, if that's like there won't be a college football season. I mean, the, the presidents have made it clear, and, and, I, and I like that. I, I like that. What they're saying is, listen, if, if it's not safe enough to have kids on campus, then we're not going to have people in our stadiums. Having said that, I can see the kids on campus, off campus all semester, but maybe by October or so, they say, kids, you're not coming to campus. You're e-learning this semester, whatever. But by October, no, you know, I take it back. There, there will be If that happens, there's no football season. And if And if – if there's no college football season, I don't know how the NFL with a straight face can say, but we're okay. Come to our our building because yeah. they're not going to play it without fans. They're not going to play without fans. They're not going to do that. And if you delay, like I saw something, I don't even know where I read this, that maybe college football would set up a, a delay and start in like December or January and then have a, I even saw something, Greg, that said, hey, let's have the Rose Bowl on Memorial Day weekend. I was thinking eh, – it, I, I am glad that they're trying to think of contingency plans, but some of this stuff to me just seems like it, it's out there. It'd be hard for me to believe that some of that, it, that delaying a season for four months is really feasible. But, you know, there's a lot of money on the line. So people are really motivated to try to find some contingency plans. Um, what do you think about the cold season? If you had to call it today, do we have a, a cold season? And if we do have a cold season, is it played specifically in 2020? Well, I guess what you're asking me is is if I had to put money on it, like a, a, a lot of money, if, if it mattered to me, like I got to be right about this. Not not never mind what I want to have happen. What what do I you know? I don't want to lose all my money. Um, I would bet there's not going to be a season, and I don't even think it's an over under like fifty fifty. I'm I'm not saying it's done. I'm not saying that, but but do I think it's a really really close call? I don't I don't think it's a really really close call. I don't think it's going to happen, and. If it doesn't happen on time, and it would have to happen pretty soon or be shortened a lot, there's no way they delay it too much because 2021 is coming around the corner, and I don't think anybody – just like nobody wants to play Thursday game after Sunday. Nobody wants to do that. They do it for the money, but they don't want to. They say it's dangerous. Um, I just don't know if if, if, anybody, if it's anybody's best interest physically to play a season and then have a very radically shortened off season and then start up again. I, I Same with college football. I don't think that's the right thing, and I think ultimately that's what people will decide. Yeah, I I want to see it just like everybody else, and I feel like making predictions of doom and gloom, um, it, it leads people to believe that you're like rooting for that scenario. No one's rooting for that scenario. Um, but it just, again, the logistics of it all and how many people that you need to be there, even when there are no fans, and then you take out, okay, you take out concessions, you take out parking gate, you take out, you know, th th there's something that's going to be lost. The, the only sport to me that really, and it's it's funny because just this morning, we're, we're recording this on a Thursday, just this morning they announced that they were going to adjust their schedule. 
The only sport to me that really makes a lot of sense for not having fans is, is the PGA Tour because you can somewhat put that on and not have the galleries. And I, I have no idea what those courses make from those crowds. Certainly they make something. Um, but it, it seems like that is the best of the social distancing sports, right? Outside of contact sports where every other sport, basketball, baseball, football, you have some sort of a contact. PGA Tour, you don't really. It's just the guys swinging clubs and they're out on the course and they can stay away from each other. Um, but it, it just, again, as much data as we have right now and as much as we can say okay we have a handle on where we are we still don't really know kind of where we are no one is no, no one really does it, it looks more positive than it did two weeks ago but this just seems to be kind of like a fluid and changing situation well you look at china what's strange about that is they um they eased the, lo- the lockdown on on wuhan about a week ago i guess and if i'm behind on something if something's happened and they're, they're locking it down again i'm sorry I'm, but Last I heard, they Wuhan was no longer in lockdown, and that's where the whole thing broke out. So on the surface, okay, look at you know China, whatever X number of months later, they are, Wuhan's better, and yet it's the Chinese basketball league that just a couple of days ago delayed it, delayed what they thought that was going to be their season again. So the, the news, it's hard to figure out. One thing I want to talk about just people's reaction to this whole thing. Um, there are there's I mean there's I saw one yesterday, but it's like cockroaches. If you see one, there's a million. I saw one guy's Twitter feed. He's his entire Twitter feed is devoted to tweeting out stories that and, and then mocking them. Like people are tweeting out stories of of hope and then mocking it like never gonna happen, never gonna happen. For, and the reason I know about this is that in the Star we had a story the other day about how the governors of Michigan, Indiana, and I think in Ohio are all coming together to just to attack this thing similarly. In other words, what Go- Governor Holcomb was saying, and by the way, I'm loving Governor Holcomb through this whole process. I'm loving him, loving him, loving him, how he's handling this. But he was saying, we're not going to, we don't want to surprise our neighboring states with whatever we're going to do going forward. If we're going to open it up or whatever we're going to do, we want to do this as a, as a group maybe. And so somebody retweeted that and said, Hunger Games candidate or something. And I, I didn't know what that meant. And so I'm looking at their feed and they've been retweeting all kinds of stories that express hope with something snarky about these people are going to die. They're going to die. So there are folks that kind of want this thing to go on a long, long time because they kind of want to be right is my, my impression. Um, and that's not where I am. I don't want to be right. I just want to be ser- careful and smart. And I've never been good ever at make-believe. Like I couldn't do role-playing games yeah. when I was little. Um, I, I, I can't, I don't like reading science fiction. You know, I think I could write a book if I had the idea, but my brain, I don't, I, I can't, I don't, I'm not good at fiction. Mm-hmm. And so I can't, I can't pretend like, Hey, we're going to have football and all. I can't do it. I just, I'm not rooting for it, but I just can't do it. Yeah. And as with most things, the people that are on the opposite ends of the spectrum are the ones that are really out there. And it's the people that are like, Hey, let's let's resume everything right now. Open everything up. It's my right. I'm an American citizen and you can't tell me to stay home. You know, those people I think are wrong. And then the people, you know, I remember reading something like two two or three weeks ago when when things were really getting concerning that like, you know, three million people are gonna die per month or so, you know, it, it, there were there were things out there that were never true, I think, uh, and were never going to be true, um, kind of on on both sides. Um, but Again, like I said, the scariest part of this, Greg, is that this is unprecedented. We have no idea. It, you know, you and I, you're you're a columnist. I'm a, a media a sports media host. I mean, e- even if you're the most qualified person in the world, these doctors and these 
what, what is it called? Epidemiologists. Do I have that right? That study infectious diseases. Even they don't 100% know. It's, it's impossible to know because we have such incomplete data of this whole thing. Well, the, we're talking about the the extreme sides, and I've already said that that I'm, I'm loving Governor Holcomb through all this. I mean, I just I couldn't be more impressed with the leadership he has shown. I, and he's a Republican, so uh, I'm saying that just to, to hold, hopefully buffer myself from what I'm about to say next is that I, I think you pronounce her name Ingram, Laura Ingram. Um, she tweeted out a day or two or three ago. I saw it again somewhere where um, people ought. I'm going to get this. I don't. I'm not quoting it, but I'm going to paraphrase it. She said, "People ought to be furious that the projections are so much lower than they than originally." In other words, her point was, all the Democrats tried to scare you and say everybody was going to die, and it didn't happen. But her, her takeaway was, people ought to be furious that they were wrong about these projections. No, 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 Laura. We're pretty happy they're wrong. We're pretty happy people aren't dying as much as we feared, but. Anyway, I just, it's the whole, it's not an us against them. It's not my side, your side, it's our side. We're all in this together. And it doesn't matter, it matters, but ultimately it doesn't matter how fast we get through this. Ultimately it matters how well we get through this and that it doesn't come back. Yeah, 100%. And you can make, as with anything in sports, it's the same way. You can make the narrative be whatever you want. You can sit there and say, oh, see, we overreacted, I told you. And then you can also say, well, see, actually the reaction that we had limited the numbers to what they are. And so, you know, you've got both of these sides and arguing about it. And I'm just trying to stay off Twitter a little bit more, Greg. That's really been my quarantine was just staying Ding, 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 ding. Uh, Let's talk about a much lighter topic. The Colts came out with, I I don't even want to say some changes. They were more like tweaks. Um, A new secondary logo, a new word mark. A couple of slight changes to the uniform. What did you think overall? Um, all I can think is the the controversy of of their logo looks just like Cathedral's logo several years ago, right? I mean, you know about that one, right? I saw that. Yeah. Okay, because you're saying on Twitter. But, but my thing is though, like how it's not super unique and original to have the state outline be a part of a logo, right? I. I, I feel for the folks at Cathedral a little bit because it is very, very similar. But, you know, part of me is kind of like, what are you going to do? You're going to trademark the the outline of the state of Indiana? Yeah, I mean, two things about that. One is the first time I saw the logo, I didn't realize there was a C there. I just I, I, I'm noticing the blue and I'm noticing the white little grommets, whatever. And I'm yeah, noticing the horseshoe. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm noticing uh, I'm noticing the state of Indiana. And then there's this little white thing that goes this way or goes this way, whatever you're looking at me. And I'm like, what is that thing leading into Ohio? Are they trying to, how, why are they connecting us to Ohio? I didn't realize it's a C. I didn't see it at first. And then I saw it the next day and I'm like, oh, that's what it is. Um, but it, that little thing is weird. I don't, so you're saying, do you trademark a, a state's, um, no, but that little thing is kind of weird. It's kind of weird that two people would come up with the same thing, but do, are you aware of who designed the Colts logo? Do you know who did it? No. The NFL did it. It wasn't the Colts. The Colts didn't do that. The NFL did that, which I find fascinating. Had the Colts done it, I would think, whether it's consciously or maybe even subconsciously, somebody saw that Cathedral logo and, and kind of forgot they saw it, but they thought, hey, this might work. You know, I do that a lot. I'll, I'll write a sentence or, or have a story idea and not realize until later, like, oh, crap, I took that from something three years ago. I, I'd forgotten it. It was in my head, but I'd forgotten where yeah. I got it in my head. So I, but the, the fact if an NFL person did that, hopefully in New York, then I suspect it was done 
See, I, I just assumed that the Colts outsourced the marketing firm and then also put in their own input. Like when you go back to Colts Forge from a couple of years ago, that was just a marketing team that the Colts hired, right? That did that. You were, did, did they explain that to you guys when you were there? I wasn't able to go to that when they unveiled that whole thing. I didn't know if you were there or not from 2017 they, they, or whenever that was. I was there. They explained it. As I recall, I was eating donuts and um, <laughs> didn't, I, I, it didn't, I was more interested in a the, the, the yeah. donuts and, and B, but B like, here's the video of Colts Forge and here's a guy hitting the anvil and all that. I, I didn't, if they said who and outsource and all that, I missed that part. Gotcha. Okay. But the donuts, like the donuts were good and they oh, weren't right. on the floor. I ate those donuts right off a plate. I was proud of myself. Not out of a garbage can. That's good. Um, I like the secondary logo. A lot of people didn't like it. Um, I would have just done the straight C. I wouldn't have tried to make it into a horseshoe. I think that was a little too much going on there. I'm not a big fan of the word mark because even though the, the old Colts word mark is very 1960s and very dated, it's iconic. It's an iconic franchise. Um, Steelers, Packers, you know, they don't change their word marks. So, you know, I get it. You want to sell some more gear. I wasn't a big fan of the, the trademark and the numbers. Who cares? Right. I, I'll, I'll leave that to people on Twitter to get upset about. I don't care about tweaking the numbers. Kenny Moore seemed to love it. And he's your guy. So I'm cool with changing the numbers. I'm even cool with doing the little black on the Nike swoosh, whatever. I'm, I'm fine with that. I, I got a new guy, by the way. I, I got a bunch of guys. I, again, I don't, you know, this is Homer territory. I just don't care. I'm looking right at the camera. I, if you're looking, I just don't care. There are some guys I'm going to like, and I don't care what it looks like. Um, Kenny Moore is a guy I like. But, and, and I might never like anybody more than I like Kenny Moore. I don't mean to be weird about this, but I mean, I just, I, I've seen that guy around kids, you know, around, you know, at risk, whatever. I've seen him do Colts, Community Tuesdays, Mondays, whatever. I'm not sure I'm ever going to like somebody more than Kenny, but Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers. Really? Okay. I heard you're one of those guys that you love him when he's on your team and you hate him when he's not. So one of those aware, classic guys. I've not hidden this because I, you know, any chance I can, as, as people will, will tease me all the time, Mike Wells, people tease me all the time that, you know, I insert myself into stuff and yeah, okay, I, I do. So, sometimes it happens accidentally. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I don't mean to. Yeah. And sometimes I'm like, hey, good, I can insert myself here. Mm. Um I'm sure I've told you this, but I covered. Yeah, Philip you Rivers guys go way back to the NC State days, right? Love yeah. him. I didn't know that. Yeah. Love him, and uh, I actually spoke with him finally for the first time, one on one over the phone, of course, this week. And the story, what today's today's Thursday. The story will be online soon. Today, tomorrow, it'll be in the paper Friday. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It'll be in the paper Sunday. Long, and Philip and I talked about NC State those days, and 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 not, we talked about a lot of stuff. But I pretty much wrote about I was there from the beginning. And uh, anyway, he's just he hadn't changed at all. It was like talking to the same guy. Tw- I mean, he hadn't changed at all. And that mean, includes the way he talks, the words he uses. He's just the best. I don't know if you were at either of these games. You're probably at both of them. But two Philip Rivers college memories that I have, both with Indiana ties. IU, when I was a freshman in 2001, opened the season on Thursday night football. I think they were the first college football game of the year at NC State. And Cam Cameron, in his infinite wisdom, decided to move Antoine Randall L, the wide receiver. And Indiana got shellacked by Phillip Rivers and, and NC State. And then I remember that first Ty Willingham team the next year got shellacked by NC State in the Gator Bowl uh, with Rivers and was it was it T.A. McClendon? Was that T.A. McClendon? Tristan yeah. something McClendon. Yep, T.A. Yeah. And those were some good teams. Those were some really, I mean, you know, not earth shattering teams, but like I, I want to say eight nine win 
NC State teams, which is pretty good for NC State football. You know, he was throwing as a, as a freshman. He was throwing to Tory. Uh, sorry, not Tory Holt. He was throwing to Corin Robinson, who was a bus. But I left, remember smoked a lot. Yeah, left early and left college early and was a first round pick. I think like tenth overall. He was throwing to Corin Robinson and Jericho Cotry. Jericho Cotry played in the NFL for about a decade. Real tough guy. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, they were good teams, but. Um, I was at the, I was at the IU game for sure. I'm not sure about the Gator Bowl. You think I'd remember, but I don't. But there's another IU game that we talked about. His second game ever as a pro. His second game in college ever. The year before that was at Bloomington. Second game ever, and uh, it went it went a certain way, and we remembered it, and he remembered it. But the the first game he ever played in college was memorable for so many reasons, and not, some of them have nothing to do with who Philip Rivers turned out to be. It had nothing to do with him. It was so memorable. That game, and uh, he and I talked about that a lot. And it was anyway. He's a lot of fun. We're gonna we're gonna enjoy him in this market a lot. It's crazy to me that that I mean, we were talking about games from twenty years ago. I mean, it's it's just it's insane that um, you know his career is in the twilight because I still remember Rivers and that draft class, Big Ben and Eli, and it doesn't feel like they should be that old at this point. And Eli is so, of course retired. Roethlisberger's body is breaking down, and Rivers is probably year to year now for the rest of his career. And get this, um, by the way, um, you know, back then at NC State, the, the point guard on their basketball team, really a shooting guard, little, was Archie Miller. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if you it, it, take my job in this, in this state, um, I, I don't mean to offend anybody anywhere, whatever, whoever you root for, but, but two of the most important jobs in this state, for, as far as what do I cover, the basketball coach at IU, and the quarterback of the Colts. Those are two of the, I don't know, you know, big, they might be the biggest two, two of the biggest five, whatever. They're two of the biggest jobs in this state in sports. And I covered both of them in college, um, and, and, and which is going to make it all the more galling when I don't break news ever. Like, I'm not going to get anything from anybody ever. And I covered <laughs> you in college, Archie Miller and Philip Rivers. I covered you in college, and you're not giving me nothing. I'm mad already. It hasn't happened you guys, yet. Just stay on them. Stay on them. They'll open up. Yeah. Rivers probably isn't going to give you anything. Maybe Archie will. You know, Archie uh, Archie sometimes lets loose. We see it on the bench sometimes. Um, speaking of, uh, another Indiana Mr. Basketball in Anthony Leal from right down the street, Bloomington South. Three straight Indiana Mr. Basketballs. I believe that's never happened before for the program, which is crazy when you really think about it. All the Mr. Basketballs that have donned the cream and crimson. Um, not regarded as the same level of prospect as, say, the previous two, Romeo Langford and then Trace Jackson Davis, but still, given his skill set um, and his shooting ability and his size, um, a, a worthy addition, certainly, for, for this Indiana. You, you know, you, you, we can sit here all we want and talk about the complaints of Archie Miller, and there's a lot to complain about. There's a lot that still needs to make notable progress as he enters into a critical year four, but one area, Greg, where it's really hard to find any flaws at all is he and his staff's recruiting ability since day one, they've been not hitting home runs and knocking it out of the park. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's weird that if we said three years ago, Archie was going to get three straight Mr. Basketballs and it wasn't going to be, yeah, but that's all he got. No, no, he has, he's had good classes. Uh, I, I'm going to not great classes and by great. I mean, he hasn't had a Duke Kentucky, you know, that kind of class, but he's had three good classes. You would have thought that with, with what he did, did at Dayton, if he could do what he's done recruiting, then clearly they're rolling. And they just haven't started rolling yet, uh, which is odd. Uh, but, yeah, I'm intrigued by Leal, 6'5", shooter. Um, 
first of all, he's a different kind of recruit. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis, I don't, he hadn't left yet, so he's not going to leave after his freshman year. But he could go after his sophomore year. I mean, we'll see. I mean, but um, Romeo clearly did. Uh, Leal is more of a four-year guy, I would think, more of a four-year guy. And, and Archie needs, he needs to not have guys leave soon. You know, this is almost like, this is his fourth year coming up. Yeah, fourth year. But in 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 some ways, in some ways, it's almost almost his uh, first or second. Just in that his first year, it's always a wash. It's hard. Second year, he's got a one and done guy and Juwan Morgan. Both le- they leave after the next. So he's starting year three, starting from scratch. So you could almost say last year was year one. Last year is where the build starts. And I, I don't mean to give him too much of a pass, but and I'm not I'm not saying I entirely. That's my entire belief on on Archie's career, but there's an argument there that the whole build really kind of started last year. Now you keep talking for a second. I'll be back with a prop, but um, say what you're going to say about something, and I'll be back in 30 seconds. Well, the only problem that I have on that say that I have a problem with it while Greg is is off mic and off camera here. The only problem I have with that is it's not like he was necessarily taking over an empty cupboard. Yes, the the situation with all of the attrition, that was a big issue with Cream. Guys kind of coming and going and not being able to stay three or four years and, and then not being able to develop any leaders after Yogi Ferrell and, and that group kind of moved on. Um, but I, I don't want to – I'll give him a pass for the first year because I give coaches a pass for the first year all the time. I don't as much want to give him a pass for the second year because I felt like a team with, with Langford and Morgan – should have been good enough to at least make the NCAA tournament. At the end of the day, making the NCAA tournament really isn't that difficult. Um, oh my God. I know, right? Uh, I, you guys, nice you guys that are just all, listening to the audio, you don't have to worry about seeing this monstrosity that, that Greg is about to put on the camera. Um, but here, I'll, I'll quickly rack up, wrap up because I'm emotionally shaken from what you're putting on the screen right now. Um, I don't oh. even want to look. I, I don't, this makes me really uncomfortable to see this. <laughs> no, it all I, I, I don't even want to. In all seriousness, I don't think I can do, I, even do it. Do I need to put him back? In all seriousness, do I put him back? It's fine. I'll I'll be able to stomach it. I think, but this is just—it's awful. <laughs> it's a, what kind of snake is that? A uh, ball python. It's about four feet long. Um, oh what's God. ironic is there's a cat right over there that you can't see, and they're the cat's just kind of like whatever. It's my son's. He uh he was here for a month. He's back in Ohio with his mom for um, for a couple weeks and seen his brother and and it was just easier for him to leave the snake and and the cat here with me. So I mean I love the little guy. His name is Hogarth. He's the sweetest guy. I mean he's I realize you give that thing kisses all the time. You, you just you just kiss that thing. I eat garbage. Yeah, I'm gonna kiss my son's snake. <laughs> love him. Look how sweet. Anyway, uh, yeah. He likes the UFC. I'll watch. I'll sit on my chair over there. And I'll, you know, I'm not going to show you this, but I'll pull my shirt up and put it on my stomach because he likes the warmth. You know, he's cold blooded and he likes being on my stomach watching, <laughs> watching UFC. And this guy, this guy just stretches out like, like, like a, a like a line at the TV. He's watching yeah. the TV screen. It's the weirdest. And he doesn't do that when I put on Netflix. But if it's UFC, even if it's, you know, old UFC on DVR or whatever, he's Hogarth is watching. It. It's great. Does it have fangs? I hope not. <laughs> I you, you know, you probably you probably should check that out before you know. I mean, I, I have no idea. Ball python. I I don't know the breeds and how aggressive they are. 
I just I, I can't do sn snakes and spiders, man. Uh, and birds. I hate birds. Oh, there's a song. Birds. Who that? Jim Stafford. I don't like spiders and snakes. Da, 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 all the way to love me. Something. It's a seventy song. Yeah. Spiders and snakes. It's a great song. I'm not going to be looking that one up, man. Okay, I'm listen. I, I don't mean to hijack this. I mean I, I wanted to show you my snake, but we got sports to talk about, right? Let's keep going. Yeah, let's move over to uh, let's move over to Purdue because we missed the news last week with you you furloughed with not having an episode. But Matt Harms, I don't even remember what day that was. I want to say maybe Tuesday of last week. Um, surprised some folks, I think, with his decision to transfer. Um, just your reaction to that, and and then the impact of of losing a guy that would have been your uh, what what a four year player um, next year for Matt Painter's Boilers. Yeah, that's. Uh... That's shocking. You know, usually when a guy transfers out, um, you think to yourself, well, okay, you know, that I see it. Uh, in, in hindsight, you might think, yeah, okay, he didn't seem all that happy or there was a coaching change or something. But Harms was like, he was Mr. Purdue. I mean, he was gung-ho, fired up. Fans loved him. Teammates, I mean, I think loved him. I wouldn't, I don't know, but he seemed very happy there, very into it. And I wonder if it's as simple as, and it might be, and maybe it even should be, um, Trevion Williams is becoming a star, and and they and and Painter just doesn't want to or hadn't figured out or isn't able to whatever play the two bigs together very much, and so Matt Harms looks at next year and says, you know, as long as Williams can stay out of foul trouble and whatever, um, my minutes are limited, and he wants to be a pro. And maybe he just wants to go somewhere else and, and, and not have to worry about being a backup five. I, I, I hope it's as simple as that and nothing else, because nothing else would make sense. Yeah, I think that's the big majority. The, the thing with, with Trey and, and him being more of a frontline player and, and the injury issue this year with Harms. And then it, it, I think, allowed a bigger spotlight and platform for Travion Williams. Um, and I do think that, Greg, part of it, too, was and, and I don't know if Harms even knows. You know, with a guy like Isaac Haas, you knew exactly what his role was going to be because, you know, in, in Harms' defense, Harms is a little more versatile than, yes. than Haas was. Yes. But the good thing about Haas is that you know exactly what he's going to be because he can only be that thing. And I, I just don't know if we ever really figured out how to properly utilize Matt Harms. Um, and Matt Painter is a really smart guy. He knows how to utilize all of his players. So if he even struggled with that, I think it just shows that that Matt Harms is really kind of a unique guy that remember the early on when he was a younger player, it was, should we take him off the bench because he provides so much energy, even though he is maybe a starting caliber player. And um, I, I hope that he finds a role wherever he, the role that he's looking for, wherever he goes and that he can maximize himself. Cause he's a great dude. Um, I always liked Matt Harms, the person, he's a very interesting cat with a, a, a very interesting backstory. Um, but it, it'll hurt for Purdue. Um, the good news is, is that you have some of the red shirts that have already been in the program. So I, I think you're going to have a little more experience. Um, this freshman class with uh, Wheeler and, and Hunter that we talked about and Williams from a couple of years ago will now be upperclassmen the next year. So I, I think Purdue is going to be in much better shape than they were this year with kind of a, a mishmash roster and, and really not enough talent. I think that was able to be on the floor. Yeah, and they've got a 7-3. I mean, it's weird. They're, they're losing a 7-3 guy, but they got another one coming in. Erdy is his name, I think. And I can't imagine that Harms looks at Erdy and thinks, I'm behind that guy. I, I can't imagine that's what's going on. But it is just kind of interesting. They've got another 7-footer coming in. Purdue always has at least one. 
Um, I have I have my pet too, so I'm going to grab him while you're you're doing. Okay, this, and this you gives us see my pet. Okay, uh, I wonder if my pet can eat your pet. Um, this gives Probably. us a chance <laughs> uh, to see what I hope. Oh no, 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 no! <laughs> my pet couldn't eat your pet. My pet would never. <laughs> Never, never eat that. No. This is this is Ollivander Longpaw Schultz, and he's Oliver or Ollie for short, and he's a, a Shih Tzu mix that we rescued uh, Super Bowl Sunday when when Peyton Manning and the Broncos beat the Panthers. Oh, so, thank you. Yeah. Say hi. Your pet wins. I mean, yeah, I like the snake. He's fine, but I I love that little creature. But the 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 Purdue has a six ten guy. I can't even pronounce his name, so I've never said it out loud. I don't think I've ever even written it. Duanwa, I don't know, because uh, he registered last year. He was a freshman. That's right, yeah. He's one of those dudes that, you know, they, they talk about airport players or airport teams. That team looks good in an airport. This guy, Duanwa, whatever his name is, looks I'm sure looks great in an airport. I mean, he's 6'10 and built. Big body, not quite as big as Isaac Haas, but more Haas than Harms. So anyway, whatever the, Purdue saw something in him, they signed him. So he's going to get his chance too. We'll find out. Yeah, and I, I think these red shirts are going to help him, uh, like Gillis and, and Newman and these guys that you know they probably could have used last year. But I understand why Painter does what he does. He has a method to the madness when it comes to using up those red shirts. Um, check out Greg's latest columns. Uh, lots of good stuff, including my personal favorite, Greg, one of my favorites in a long time from you, uh, who I knew nothing about, uh, Timmy Brown. And his legacy and his backstory involving Indiana, but but all that he was able to do in Hollywood as well, besides being a football player, I had never, I didn't know anything about him. So that was a, a really fun read. Yeah, thank you. He, it's it's too bad that sometimes people have to die to get on the radar because you really don't, you know, you don't hear much about them. Their, their careers are over. Their their whatever's over, and so they're obviously not in the news very much from age sixty to eighty. And they die, and you're like, wait a minute. And the obituary comes out, like, wait a minute, that guy? Him? Yeah. And he I mean, he started his life in an orphanage. Well, he didn't start his life, but he, as a child, he was in an orphanage in Knightstown for years. Um, he, they played against Milan in basketball. I mean, it was a, yeah, it was a, a mind-blowing. I didn't have, I wrote too many stories this week. I didn't have, I wasn't going to write that one. But when I saw the obituary, I'm like, I got to, I got to write more about this guy. Timmy Brown, something else. No, really interesting. Check that out also on the Pacers um, and, and others there. You start off. Hey, my, start hold on. Sorry to interrupt, but my most important thing that I'm doing this summer, um, for now anyway, is I, I stole it from Scott Van Pelt, completely stole it. He calls it, I think they stopped doing it at ESPN. They call it Senior Night. And every night they were highlighting five or 10 seniors or teams around the country, basketball, uh, high school and college, just kids that aren't going to get their senior year because the spring seasons are gone. Um, I stole that, and I'm calling it senior class, my senior class project, and I'm I'm calling the schools around the around the city, and I'm asking I'm, I'm at their mercy. I'm like, give me a, give me a kid, you know. I don't I don't care. In fact, I tell them I don't care how good the kid is in sports. If the kid's good in sports, all the better. But I don't care. Pick a senior out that's not getting their senior season that deserves you know a moment. And uh, I, I've written three so far, and I've got I've actually I wrote number four. It's for next week. It's every Thursday in print. I wrote it this morning. Love it. Love it. And I, I don't mean, you know, I don't mean I love what I did. I mean, I'd, I'd love these kids and their stories. And I love being, I wish I could share all of them. You know, there's, there's hundreds, maybe thousands of seniors around our city that are getting screwed by the coronavirus. And uh, I wish I could uplift every last one of them, but I'll try and do one a school as long as I can do it. 
read all that stuff, subscribe as well. Um, not only for great local journalism, but also so Greg can add to his snake collection there on the south side. <laughs> Hogarth, I, says, I can't believe you. When I saw you kiss that thing the first time, I was just, uh... Hogarth from the movie uh, Iron Giant, the Iron Giant, uh, the kid in the Iron Giants, a cartoon from the nineties, was Hogarth, Got and you. so my son named him Hogarth. There you go. I call him Hoagie. Come on, Hoagie. Uh, you have even a cute pet name for that thing, huh? He's we will talk to you guys next week.